Welcome to Matter of Fat, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and a Taurus living her best Taurus season life. I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Soraya Bogani. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, Minneapolitan millennial who is an aspiring alliteration aficionado. <laughs> We're here to talk about the cultural politics of fat bodies here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the greater Midwest. Welcome to the first episode for the second. You heard yes! that right. Second season of Matter of Fat. We've been hibernating through the long, dark winter, and now it's time for rebirth and renewal. And a reintroduction to the segment you've been longing to hear, even if you didn't quite know it. It's The Fat fat dish. Dish. The Fat Dish is all about sharing or dishing about what's going on in our community. It's also like hot dish. Get it? Yes, we're sharing a smorgasbord of local events and newsworthy dish with a focus on body size, body positivity, and fat liberation. So we're saving our personal dish. The piece de resistance. Yeah, that till a little <laughs> later. Um, but we have two exciting local events we can't wait to share. But even before that, we want to try something a little different. We're leaving some space for future sponsors. Ooh. Do you love podcasts? Do you love this podcast? Okay, do you maybe just like this podcast? Did you answer yes to any of those leading questions? If so, please rate and review Matter of Fat. Ooh, and you want to take it to the next level? Well, if you or an organization you know of would like to sponsor Matter of Fat, let us know. This could be you. You could be in our future. This could be us, but you're playing. And we're back. Wow. What an excellent ad experience. <laughs> Hand clap emojis aplenty. <laughs> Anyways, back to the fat dish. We've got two upcoming events. Yeah. First, the Subversive Sirens have a dive-in fundraiser on Saturday, May 18th. You may remember the Subversive Sirens from our very first interview with Zoe Holloman in our inaugural season. Uh, they won gold at the Gay Games in Paris last summer, and they're training for their next big competition, the IGLA Aquatics Championship in June. Ooh, so cool. So cool. The dive-in features synchro lessons in the water, a brand new splash mob, like a flash mob. Cat had to explain <laughs> that to amazing. me. amazing. Uh, the first sneak peek performances of their new routines, raffle items, light refreshments, and siren swag. Oh. It's open to everyone because you can enjoy the dive-in in either the water or on dry land. Uh, tickets are 10 to $25, and you can check out their Facebook event or Eventbrite for more info. Ooh, that sounds awesome. And the 18th is a really busy day. We have a sale happening at my shop that day, and friend of the pod, Nancy, is bringing her food truck, Ketal Street Eats, to our neighborhood for lunch. Papusas for life. Yes, yum. Okay, and what's next? Great question, great question. So the Radical Health Alliance has been hosting fat activism salons, and the next one is coming up on Tuesday, May 25th. Um, So the Fat Salon is named after the Salons of Paris, known for inspiration and innovation. And it's a gathering of like-minded people who want to learn more about fat activism, discuss ideas for local activism, and organize to make that ish happen. Yes. Yeah, the topics for May's salon include the 1978 film Fat Underground and revisiting the Fat Liberation Manifesto. I mean, what a lovely first fat dish for season two. I can't say it enough. It has that ring to it. Season two. Yes. 
You know, if you're not familiar, usually around this time, we would dive into an intriguing and engaging interview, but psych, you got us instead. Okay, we are intriguing and Mm. engaging, Soraya. Okay. So today, instead of our traditional interview, we have lots to catch up on. So we're going to share a bit about what we've been up to over our break, as a matter of fact. Soraya, you have to share about your trip to Kenya. Tell the people, tell us, how was it? My trip was a literal dream. It feels like that anyways. It was like so long ago and so far away. Um, In January, I was lucky enough to travel to Kenya with some friends. We went for two weeks and it was sublime. Awesome. It was filled with sun and fruits and waves and all the animal sightings I never knew I needed. I never knew I wanted to feed a beautiful giraffe named Stacy or (laughs) see a cheetah after a kill or learn how to keep a black mamba out of a chicken coop. I just didn't know. Oh. You know, I just didn't know. Now you but <clears throat> to be honest, like as a matter of fact, traveling, I was pretty nervous. Mm-hmm. I haven't done international travel in a long time, but fortunately, I was able to go with two lovely ladies who made it fun and comfortable and memorable. Um, planes are not big spaces. So I felt really conscientious about the space I was taking up for like 10 plus hours at a time, which isn't awesome. Um, we even took the tiniest plane to the Maasai Mara for a safari experience. How tiny? Like a 10 seater. I had never been one in my in one in my life, and my like knees were literally two inches away from the pilots. It was Whoa. it was a it was a trip. <laughs> um, okay, it was we, a very surreal. We experience. sure are back, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so it was surreal, like seeing elephants and giraffes and hippos. Oh my! Um, and I joke, but it was surreal and beautiful. And being with genuinely wonderful people really helped delay any fears I had. Good, good. But you know that being said, I've got to story about traveling whilst fat. Oh, do tell. Yeah. So my friend Martha and I are the same age. We're in our latest twents, latest twenties. <laughs> so, and, and like, this is important because twice, not once, not thrice, but twice people thought and they presumed I was her mother. What? Yeah. I've never really felt precious about my age. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's because I'm like young um, or like I haven't felt precious about getting older, but I was like a bit on edge probably going to this trip without even realizing it. So my birthday happened the week be- oh, yeah. yeah, the week before the trip. And the day of my birthday fell in the middle of the week. So I was at work and like washing my hands and I glanced up at my bad self. And I just saw it there out of out of the corner of my eye. I spy one sprightly like white hair alfalfing out of my head. <laughs> Literally just in the middle. Yes. And I've always been interested in like having a nice little swath of gray hair, like a la Stacy from Stacey what London. not to wear. Yeah. But before I even knew what happened, I like subconsciously just like snatched it yep. out of my head. And that re- reaction was like weird and like very telling. And mm. so I think in any case, aging was on my mind. Yeah. And um, so like back to Kenya and my son bout of motherhood. So <laughs> Martha and I were identified as mother and daughter by two separate individuals, one in Mombasa on the coast and one in Nairobi. And like it was and is laughable. Martha and I do not look alike. Like not at all. Not at all. I have a evidence exhibit A over here. Kat is my w- character witness. I've seen you both. You yes. don't look alike. <laughs> so I have like an olive-ish complexion and I've got dark brown bushy eyebrows. Not like 
OC famous Sandy Cohen level oh, fullness and extensions, but enough that the great brow thinning of the 90s had like very little impact. <laughs> um, also, surprise, I, I don't know if y'all know this, but I'm fat. Uh, and Martha, on the other hand, self-describes as having like blonde, curly hair, lots of tattoos, tall, thin, and pale AF. <laughs> um, so I really thought... That's a quote from Martha, by Yes, the way. that's a direct quotation. Yeah. <laughs> and I really thought that we were the same height, but after fact-checking, she's 5'8", and I'm just like 5'6". So well, I'm taller than my mom, Not so. the point. <laughs> that's not the point. <laughs> Anyways, the main differentiator here is that I am not her mother. Right. And like I said, it was laughable the first time, but also kind of insidious, so it's, we're friends. We're not a couple, but it felt like the only way we could travel together and make it make sense was if we were a family. Mm. Um, and I didn't interrogate it too much until it happened a week later. And again, it wasn't malicious. And this really sweet woman who took care of the house we were staying at thought I was Martha's mom. She also thought Martha was 20. Again, we're both in our late twents, relatively same in height, and that's kind of where the visual similarities end. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, Martha reads almost a decade younger, and I read almost a decade or more older. And, like, why? Yeah. Um, there's probably a lot of things that feed into it, and I'm just starting to think about it. I think that whiteness can read as, like, young and, mm. like, beautiful. But I think my body size immediately lends itself to being older as well. So... I finally listened to Shrill. Yes! Yes, uh, in anticipation for the Hulu sh show that came out. And that book slaps so hard. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Uh, it's on point and links up to the notion of age and fatness and gender. And Lindy, Lindy West, who wrote Shrill, at one point contrasts the way Disney uses fatness as a character tool. Like, um, in The Little Mermaid, King Triton is, like, wildly ripped. And it, like, <laughs> like an amazing old merman. Mer an older merman. <laughs> um, whereas Ursula is the greedy creature creepy villain lusting after youth and beauty mm. and also fat. So I was talking about this with our other friend on the trip, Caroline. And I mean, she shared a valid point that the folks we were talking with most likely ascribe fatness with the process of giving life and motherhood mm. and that older women who have done this also tend to have more weight. And like, sure, that does make sense. But we also need to recognize that motherhood and fatness are not an exclusive relationship. Right. That's not the only way somebody is fat. And the sum, the sum of that, like, tautology is that the only way I, Soraya, can exist in the world and my body makes sense to others is if I've given birth. Mm. And, like, that is just attached to some weird inverse a lot. nonsense shame, like, that's heaped upon people who give birth for their bodies changing and, like, the need to lose the baby weight. It's just very complicated and complex. And I probably shouldn't wade too far into that water because... I haven't given or haven't carried a child and can't comprehend the nuanced experiences that go along with it. So when I when I my thesis yeah. for this little ramble is what I can say is that decoupling our own bias about fatness, age and parenthood is probably a really good way to start seeing people more holistically and having them feel seen. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the tea on my trip to Kenya, as a matter of fact. Ooh. Oh, man, that's like a lot, right? Um, but I think this is just a space to talk about it. And to be honest, like, I have had kind of similar experiences. Mm, um, in like, Kenya? Okay, not in, not in Kenya. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Here, right here. Oh, boy. St. Paul, Minnesota. Right, Midway, me. LA Fitness. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so actually, Name two, and names. There's two, there are two instances that remind me of this. And one at the LA Fitness um, that I just cited is really similar to what you, you went through. So... 
let me paint a picture for you. I think I must have been like 21, maybe 22, mm-hmm. at the pool at the gym getting ready for water aerobics with one of my besties, Karen, who's a few years younger than me. And kind of like you and Martha, Karen and I look nothing alike. I can attest to this. I also have seen both yeah, of you. Yeah, receipts. We mm-hmm. look nothing alike. So we're like dipping in the chilly water, about to sweat to the oldies <laughs> when, you know, with the grandmas. Uh-huh. Um, and when a random guy that was in the pool area approached us, kind of trying to make conversation, and asked if I was Karen's mom. Like, him? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I know, right? Uh, so we laughed about it at the time, um, but I think it definitely rubbed both of us the wrong way. And like, we've kind of reflected on this since, or like, mm-hmm. you know, since then when we were 20. Um, and so Karen. Is also so Karen's ma- married to my other bestie Margot, and I guess Margot and I we don't look alike, but like we're both like fat gals with dark hair. Um, and Karen has mentioned that when her and Margot are together, like they're married, but when they're together, people often think that it's a mother daughter relationship as well. And so, like, there's a lot of like heteronormativity happening there, and kind of referencing what you were saying before, like, is that the only way that folks can make sense of like this dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I think fatness has something has a, a big part to do with that as well. But it's just like, yeah, that's wild. And I have another thing that I sort of think relates as well. Do tell. Okay, so I don't, this is not like the exact same, um, but multiple times with several people that I've dated over the years, like men have shared with me that they've been into older women, whatever that means. Not like in the same breath. It's not like they're connecting this thing like, Kat, you're hot. And the reason I think you're hot is because I like a more mature body and you're fat. So your body reads more mature. Like that's not what they're saying. Right. Mm -hmm. But I can't help but wonder if there's like a connection here between like fat bodies reading as older bodies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I just think that there's there's a lot there. You know, you just had a Carrie Bradshaw moment. I did. I can't help but wonder. Well, I can't help but wonder. Yeah. It's got (laughs) me thinking and like. Interesting, because when we talk about these, like, systemic kind of cultural things, like, Mm -hmm. this is happening here within the Midwest. LA Fitness in the Midwest. But also living its best life out in Kenya, too. Yeah. And so, yeah. It's, it's like, it's pervasive, these, um, I don't know if stereotype's the right word, but, like, the way people try to... I don't know, put others in boxes or like Mm -hmm. associate, I don't know. The heuristics of it. Like we're trying to make sense of what we see. And I think, yes, there's truth to it that like that does make sense a lot of the time. But as we continue to talk to more people through the podcast, through our communities, like people have different bodies. Right. All over the place. And you don't have to be a mom. You don't have to be older. Mm -mm. You can be a mom. You can Mm -hmm. be older. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's interesting when it comes up. Anyways. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. This is kind of messy, but I do think it's real and honest. And, like, this is a good place to think through this stuff. So, I'm glad you brought it up so we could kind of get into it. Yeah. Me too. What else has been going on? Mm, yes. Okay. So, like I mentioned, I had some really lovely people in my life when I went on my trip. I've also got folks like you. I've got family. I just have a really good circle of friends mm-hmm. and family right now. And this break has really got me thinking of friendships specifically yeah. of people in my life. And I mean, like everything we do, it's influenced by popular culture. Oh, yeah. Pop culture. Um, <laughs> and I've been a long time fan of Broad City mm. and like recently jumped on the Pen15 bandwagon. Actually, oh. I started watching it before the bandwagon started. You really so. did. You, I think, started the bandwagon. 
Thank you. I will single-handedly yeah. take Oh, you were one of the early adopters. <laughs> I was an early adopter, yes. Um, and so these are two shows that focus on young women and um, just tell a story that I don't think was really available to us like 10, 15, 20 mm-hmm. years ago. And just maybe I'm, I'm missing something. But Broad City just ended its final season. And I'm not going to let any spoilers go, but it's been really interesting seeing a friendship like uh, roll out on film on screen yeah. over like six years. Oh yeah, which blows my mind. And the way they ended it was just so special and beautiful, and like got me in my feelings about <sighs> friendships all over the place mm-hmm. and how we can use that to uplift each other and just like be there for folks and like chosen relationships and family, um, as opposed to like romantic love or like familial love, which mm-hmm. is important and wonderful. But um, I just really like that narrative as a counterpoint to the things that are out there all the time. And I also just really love Pen15 because if you're not <laughs> familiar, it's on Hulu and it's two comedians to writers who have recreated their middle school experience mm-hmm. and they play both of their middle school selves and these are like 30 Ooh. year old women yep. um, and like there are children actors with them too and they've been very creative about how they're doing that and it's just so visceral yeah. it is so awkward so and like awkward. uncomfortable and they're like growing out they're still doing things that are a little bit uh, immature but they're like growing up and like mm-hmm. growing out of that growing into some other things and it goes back to a time in my life that is just so uh so real it's like AIM they have a whole episode about AIM and like deciding on your screen name and finding like talking to boys on there and then there's you know band practice where I was just immediately brought back to choir where it's like the black <laughs> pants and this crisp white shirt and they just do the details so beautifully and yeah. tackle a lot of topics that are really challenging to like like race and um, just growing up in that mm-hmm. space and like the way that friendships evolve during that time yeah. too. And so I love it. I've been, wa- <laughs> I haven't finished it. I've been watching cause you suggested it. Yeah. I think whereas you are really like into kind of the awkwardness and like really leaning into it mm-hmm. and getting a lot from it. I just like feel very awkward mm-hmm. when I want, like I just can't shake it. I don't know. But maybe my, maybe as I continue with the series, it'll, I'll feel different. I'm impressed if you continue with it because it's awkward. Yep. It's like super uncomfortable. But the details are what carry they me are. through. Like the like the details related to the nineties. Yes. Or I guess early two thousand. Early two thousand yeah. probably, yeah. Or like there's like the Spice Girls, like yeah. all the rage, and then like the two little strings of hair oh, just like the style is just get... so perfect. At one point, there's a kid in the band room who's just like wearing a bright yellow Livestrong <laughs> bracelet. Like they didn't call attention to that. No. That was just like somebody really thinking through that. And so I appreciate being reminded of that time. Yeah. When it wasn't captured, like that story could never have been told during that time. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's like my little take on friendships. Yeah, friendships on your mind. Into it, about it. Um, but like, what has the break been like for you, Kat? Yeah. So I don't know. To be, I think that the first part of the year has been pretty wild and wonderful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like 
better than I imagined. Um, one of the things that's been really cool is that I've had a lot of opportunities to be talking about things as a matter of fact outside of the podcast and outside of my shop, which has been really exciting. And one most notable experience or one of the most notable experiences that I want to share with y'all was in January, I was on NPR News. Yes. It was great. Um, my friend Jeff is one of the producers on NPR News with Carrie Miller and asked me to be on. Carrie was out um, and the show was hosted by Tiffany Hansen. It was kind of wild because it was live, um, and it went much better than I anticipated. Okay. I was really nervous, y'all. Like, Why? We, I mean, we do this all the time. We're yeah. talking in front of microphones, whatever. But the live nature of it really kind of had me, uh, yeah, just feeling quite nervous. And then it was like a call-in show. Like, people could call mm. in with things. And so I was responding to things in real time. Um, and I'm one who does a little bit better when I can, like, collect Prepare, my thoughts, you yeah. know? So the segment was titled Less Fat Shaming, More Body Positivity, but it was honestly kind of discussing topics all across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, NPR, in my opinion, is not great at discussing fat politics, but I do think this was a good start. Uh, and it was really an honor to be there. I hope I represented y'all well and responded to things positively. Um, it was, yeah, it was really cool to have the opportunity to do that. And maybe we'll link it here if people haven't had the chance to listen yet. Yeah, and that's challenging, too, to be, like, representative for any type of group yeah, at all. But you did a really great job. Thank I was listening you. from Kenya. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what else has been going on? So things have been pretty busy and wonderful at my shop, which has been great. Aside from snow days, of course, which, okay, I will not, like, take a lot of time in this episode to talk about how this has been the worst winter since (laughs) I moved back to Minnesota four years ago, but... Whoa, it has been. Um, I'll leave it at that. But generally, aside from a few like really icky weather days here and there, the year has been off to a great start at the shop. Um, busy. I hired another person on my team. Woo! is back to three, which is just such, oh, it's just awesome. What else? Oh, I was in City Pages. I was featured okay. in their people issue as someone making Minnesota a better place, which again, such an honor. And what felt really cool was that they said, fat activist, their words, not mine, Mm -hmm. which felt big for them and for me. Um, And it was just a really cool honor to be recognized in that way. Mm -hmm. Deserved. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I one of the things I wanted to focus on during the break um, was working on this like confidence course that I've been dreaming up. And it was cool to do it. I was like strategic, right? Like, okay, we have time. We're not meeting for the pod. So I'm mm-hmm. going to focus on developing this content. And I did. And it's awesome. Um, and it was just a true delight to be able to engage with folks in ways kind of like related to things of the matter of fat generally, mm-hmm. right? But like not specific. I don't know. It was just really cool. Um, and that's something that I'm pretty proud that, like, I squeezed into the yeah. break, right? Uh, yeah. You're listening off all these things. And boom, it's like, boom, oh, sorry, boom, I went boom, on vacation boom. and watched TV. <laughs> and you created curriculum, which is okay. not, like, surprising. I think it's beautiful and wonderful and um, certainly is going to help contribute to you making the world a better place, oh, too. Thank you. You're mm-hmm. so kind. And I did a lot of TV watching, too. Don't oh, get me wrong. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I don't know what else has been going on. Y'all been seeing it on my Instagram, so I don't even know. Um, oh, but I I do feel like we should take this moment to talk about Instagram for a quick second. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. uh-huh. as y'all know, 
my social media wide open. Soraya, on the other hand, not so much. Wow, for me, I'm blast. It's not so it's much not blast. It's blast. like, let's yeah. tell the people let's our philosophies about this. about this because they're different, right? Counterpoint. Yeah, very, <laughs> very much point counterpoint. So um, I love Kat, and she has such like a wide skill set when it comes to social media and like utilizing it in very strategic and inventive and creative ways. Oh, well, thank you. And I do too, but just like not like as much. <laughs> Not and also like publicly? a private community. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally fine. It is. But so I just wanted to say that like if anybody has requested to be my friend or is like trying to check stuff out and you're like, oh, private account. That's mostly because I, I, I mean, I don't really accept friend requests unless I know you or like know you through something mm-hmm. else. And it's not a personal thing and also probably beneficial because how many times do you want to see a picture of my brunch? Like... <laughs> It's, it's great for me. I don't know how great it is for you. But, uh, yeah, it's just like I'm a little private shy girl. What can I say? And that's, like, totally okay. And so y'all have to get your, like, Soraya content from the Matter of Fat page. And the Matter of Fat page only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or accidentally through the cake Instagram. That sometimes. just happened yesterday or tonight. <laughs> <laughs> never again. Yeah, never again. I'm off my game. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, so, like, I'm not on Instagram, but... I also just feel like it's fun to live vicariously through other people. It's mm. kind of like a reality show. Oh, gosh. Which I think you should also tell the people what else this you did over the break. Really clever pivot there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. lead in. Yes. Okay. So over the break, I did also apply to be on The Real World. Uh. Um, so I watched a lot of The Real World as a young person. Can you tell the people what it is in case they don't know? Ten friends. No, eight friends. One house. I don't know. It's amazing. (laughs) It's just a group of people. It's like, it was the first of all of these kind of shows before Big Brother, before any of the kind of competition shows. Yeah. It was just like young people in a house. There was always some kind of project. They would pick like just random people from lots of different kind of identities and uh, like different parts of the country and put Mm -hmm. them together. And it was always just so dramatic (laughs) in ways that I really loved. And I think... I think over the years, even, you know, kind of since the beginning, I think the real world came out like 20 years ago. They were really, they've been good at including a lot of different diverse identity types. Okay. And also no fat people. Sure. Naturally. Right. Um, So when I heard that they were casting folks that were like, I thought the cutoff age was 25. Yeah. And now it's more like 35. And they also were possibly looking for plus size people to apply. So like when I heard this. I knew I'd regret it if I didn't pursue it. Uh-huh. So I submitted an initial application um, and then was invited to complete a full application, which was basically 72 super invasive <laughs> questions. <laughs> and I tried my absolute hardest to be like authentic and honest, but also like kind of juicy and also very fat positive. Sure. And I spent a lot of time on this, um, but it was very much like a, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. Um, and like really kind of put that effort into it situation. Mm-hmm. So I submitted. I did get a phone call from a producer after, which was exciting. But then I didn't proceed any farther with, like, more interviews or anything like that. Hmm. But I'm glad I did it. I'm glad you did it, too. I don't know. Like, sometimes I still dream about some kind of reality show in the future. Uh-huh. I think it could be cool. Um But to be honest, I just want, like, I want more fat people to be on TV and on reality shows shining and working on literally anything Mm -hmm. besides intentional weight loss. Yes. Like, anything. And, you know, maybe that'll be me at some point, or it could be any other fat person out here. I just want to see more and more of that. And to be honest, I think, like, related to social media, uh, part of 
what I don't know part of what feels good about like being out in the world and like sharing things that I think I am doing that like mm-hmm. I'm just like this fat girl doing my thing not focused on anything remotely related to the biggest loser um mm-hmm. and that feels really good you know mm-hmm. so we've been busy 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 yeah we've also done other things mm-hmm. together um, so we started off working on the pod a few months ago with our long awaited retreat. The retreat. <laughs> it was really great. We took time to reflect on last season and think about some longer term goals we have for our work with Matter of Fat to help inform what we want to accomplish this season. And I guess we can share a little bit with y'all. Yes. So big picture, some of our goals for this season and this year include having a longer season with more episodes and of course more interviews, growing our listenership. Being more efficient in our creation and production, and starting to generate some revenue so we can at least break even with this project. Money bag, money bag, money bag. Maybe, maybe not money bag, no. but like, <laughs> but like, pay for the money we put in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're already off to a great start. I mean, you're listening to the first up today, but well, whenever you listen to this in your today, um, but we've been working on season two since February 2019. So there have been some late nights in the KFAI stewed mm-hmm. studio and lots of Sunday nights or uh, Sunday night work at turtle bread that's been our spot those soups mm, 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 mm. Mm-hmm. last month was it last month uh cu- during the break uh we both went to a burlesque show together yes it was like a focus on plus size performers so um there was uh, several performers but two that we were especially excited to see um a local burlesque performer diva rose um and an award-winning plus size performer from new york fancy feast so it was really fun to go to that together. That was really great. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Same. It was great. Diva's we, parents were there. Oh, it was cute. The best. We um took like a group picture with the cast. It was dorky and amazing. Uh-huh. And it's on our Instagram if you haven't had a chance to check that out yet. Go see Exhibit B for this episode. Um, <laughs> also, yes. And like more recently, we saw Sonali Rashadwar at the, at the Fat Sex Therapist on Instagram for a workshop. And we're excited to share more about that in an upcoming episode. Yeah, so stay tuned for deets. Mm-hmm. Y'all, that's the recap. It's been a really great break. And also, we are so happy to be back. So, so happy to be back and excited to get into Dirt, Dirt and Discourse. It's time for the Dirt and Discourse. This is where we dive into the excitement and discomfort around relevant pop and cultural happenings. This episode, we're excited to discuss Shrill. Yes. It feels like most fat folks have had Shrill on our radar, so you've probably heard of it. Yeah, and I mentioned the book Shrill earlier, and I've been a big fan of A.D. Bryant from SNL and some of the other folks who are a part of this project, so it's for sure been on my radar. Yes. Also, lots of friends and coworkers have shared their recommendations for the show. <laughs> no, I don't know about you, but for me, those recommendations from thin friends in my life just somehow keep coming and coming and coming, even after I've watched it twice. Mm-hmm. So the very funny Lindy West wrote a memoir that was recently adapted into a Hulu series written by some amazing folks in addition to Lindy, like Samantha Irby and Aidy Bryant, who stars in the show. And we're getting another season, yes. which we're already excited for. Yeah. Oh, so excited. Okay, so Soraya, what did you think of Shrill? Okay, so I loved... So much of it that I don't even know where to start. There's a lot. Um, I will say that I wasn't sure what to expect because after listening to the audiobook, um, which like you're clearly rubbing off on me. Yes. I think. Um, also, it goes back to when we saw Fatitude last mm, yes. year. Yes. And Lindy was in it. But um, the audiobook paints a hilarious and vivid picture with Lindy's narration. Yeah. And I was on tenterhooks. <laughs> 
You can Google that phrase, turn of the century phrase. I was on tenterhooks to see how they were going to adapt that. Um, Also, like, I'm that person commuting to work with the earbuds in going, "Mm mm-hmm, and, like, snorting ostentatiously when the occasion calls for it. And, like, (laughs) Shrill did that for me. I was just, like, guffawing left and right, probably scaring people as they're trying to, like, go to work, too. Amazing. Um, And so I was really excited, and I found myself wide awake at midnight on release day. Yes. And fell into, like, an Alice in Wonderland trance. (laughs) Which, okay, so, like, it felt like that because the Portland that Shrill paints feels like this magical landscape where our main character, Annie Easton, lol, Lindy West, nice enough, (laughs) can share, like, deep, vulnerable moments with her friend in a flea market, like, muck her way through a friend with benefits, turn relationship mire, and militarize around her identity as a fat woman with a great journalistic voice, um... Her friends and coworkers are so freaking funny. Yeah. The aesthetic is very on trend, mid-century modern mm-hmm. furniture and mm-hmm. 70s color scheme. And her outfits are so great. I mean, like, obviously they've got really talented costume designers and, like, much of Annie's cl- clothes were custom made or tailored. Mm. Um, and then, like, beyond that, too, the soundtrack is just so good. Yeah. It's just, like, boom, 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 boom. It hits so many points. Yeah. The last, okay, like, the first episode, the last scene, like, ends with Tierra Wack, who's, like, a fave for me. If you haven't listened to her, check her out. Um, but it's just, like, all on point. And... Like the details are also something. So I was talking about Pen 15 earlier. Yeah. The details for this are so cute for me and like so poignant. So the first scene shows Annie getting ready for the day. She's got this cute turtleneck, which she's got on and is like hunching down and stretching out over her knees. <laughs> and then we Relatable. cut to, Yeah, exactly. We cut to the next scene and she's got a dress over the turtleneck. Like that little moment of her trying to figure out this shirt is going to look good on, making it bigger, and then throwing something over it to just like <laughs> cover it up completely is such a big mood. And little characterizations like that throughout the series really made me fall in love with it. Yes, yeah, so in love. I also love the book, and you know, because I'm such an audiobook gal. Um, but I love when <laughs> you authors don't say. <laughs> but I love when authors read the book, um, and Lindy narrates show, which, like you mentioned, is just like oh, makes it so much better. Okay, this is a little bit of an aside, but I would say. Shrill is one of only two 10 out of 10 audiobooks that I've listened to in the last year. The other, if you're interested, is Everything's Trash and That's Okay by Phoebe Robinson, also read by the author. So good. We both stand for Phoebe. Yeah, we we actually went to Phoebe's book signing for her first book a couple years ago. Yes. So... Yeah, way into the audiobook. So when it came out, of course, I was very excited. I watched all six episodes in quick succession and then all of them again the next night. <laughs> it really goes down easy because in total, it's only like three hours or so. Um, oh, so good. I think it is so well done. You did such a beautiful job of like pointing out all these specifics that are just, ah, oh, just like, yeah, simply very, very well done. Um, I feel like this show is kind of like, just a gift to us. And one of the few things that I feel like really is speaking to me or like was made, maybe not so much speaking to me, but like made for me. Like they had a focus group of people <laughs> to like to, to watch this show. And it was just a bunch of me's, you know, uh-huh. me and my people. Uh, another aside, weirdly, <laughs> one of the only other times I've had that experience, like who did you run this idea by? It was all people like me. Magic Mike Double XL. Oh my God. I maintain that it's a feminist film. I agree. I also have seen Magic Mike XXL and enjoy it, but 
I <laughs> never, I the weird never have I ever thought that that would come up in this conversation. But carry on, <laughs> okay. please. So I just, I think that a lot of people felt like this was made for us. I mean, I had people basically in tears at my shop telling oh. me how much this meant to them. It's clear that fat women wrote this. Um, and it's clear that, or many of the writers were fat women. Um, and it's clear that, like, these folks were relying on their own experiences mm-hmm. and telling these stories. I read a piece that said there were several instances in the writer's room where, like, the plus-size writers were sharing those experiences, you know, kind of talking about things that had happened to them. And the writers who weren't fat, like, just didn't believe it. Like, they didn't mm. realize that those were things that happened to us all the time. Uh, and I just think that that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I... <laughs> I just have to come back to Magic Mike XXL. Please do. Please do. It does get slept on so It really does. Okay. I really am fixated on this, I guess, <laughs> because I agree with you much, Joel, obviously. We hadn't discussed this pre- like prior either. I didn't realize you were such a Magic Mike XXL fan. I mean, when you're voguing in this. Okay. Anyways, I enjoyed it. I don't know that it resonated with this, the same with me, actually. Um, and I, I think if we're going to talk about shows or like works of popular culture that have resonated. I think the first show that I had a moment of identification with as far as like body size Mm -hmm. and and thinking in that realm was like with My Mad Fat Diary. Oh, good show. Yeah. And it's like very powerful to see a variation of your story being mirrored back to you Mm -hmm. and it makes you feel less alone. And so like, it's cool that all those yous were being focus grouped, but, um, I think for that, I really enjoyed My Mad Fat Diary. However, while it was so beautiful, it's like buried in sadness. Yeah. And that's something that Shrill provides a counterbalance to, like the absurdity of, that is existing as a fat person. And yeah, it just, it felt like lighter than what yeah. we see a lot of portrayals. And even the way that they talked about like intersectional things about, you know, having an abortion. Yeah. The way they showed that as not like a c- incredibly traumatic experience, mm-hmm. but more of a, a, like a medical procedure and like having support in that way. Or, um, I, I don't know, just like eating or yeah. like the moments when she goes to her parents' house and she looks at all these pictures of her as a yeah. kid and she's like a fat kid. And then she recognizes that later. She's like, I just was a fat kid with some dumb dreams. And <laughs> <laughs> I just like, we were talking about earlier about how you, apparently you can only be fat if you're older or like yeah, yeah. have had things happen to you and just recognizing that what happens when that, that, excitement about life is like taken out of you when you're fat anyways Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, i'm waxing mm -hmm. poetic but yes i agree and i like it a lot yeah yeah this is such a small detail but i also just was so happy they addressed the plan b weight limit yeah like such a simple thing but man talk about like facts that are not widely known Uh i mean fat people and non-fat people alike are really not familiar with that information yeah i watched shrill or like the first couple episodes with caroline and martha kenya gals kenya gals and uh they were like oh i didn't know that i was like yeah nobody knows that nobody knows that Mm -mm. people are bad at their jobs and nobody cares yeah 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 see how i feel about it anyways so, I yes, definitely this show really, like, the experience of Annie really resonated with lots of people. Um, and also, like, for me, I don't know. I didn't identify with a ton of aspects of Annie's character. Mm-hmm. I do feel like I identified a lot with Lindy from reading her book. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the series, like, 
not so much. And truly, like, that's okay. Not every fat character has to be all fat people, you know? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Also, there are, like, multiple fat folks in this series Mm -hmm. that have very differentiated personalities. And I love the moments that have been written in that resonate regardless of the characterization. Yeah. And, like, I was talking with a good friend about this and about the series as a whole Mm -hmm. and like Annie is fictional there is not a real or subtle way to show a person realizing their body autonomy and learning self-acceptance in a like six episode three hour a span yes exactly (laughs) so it's not nuanced and subtle like Lindy's work captured a period of time over her life Mm -hmm. and so Annie is a condensed version of so many people's stories. Yeah. And I think it was very deliberate and very intentional and just like a purposeful way to kind of paint Annie's character, um, how they did, like kind of moving through this Mm -hmm. stuff so quickly. Like it almost as a model to show people like, hey, this can happen and you can move through this. I thought it was really effective for the show. Again, not real life, but like very purposeful. Um, Yeah, I thought it was well done. But also like, to the point of having so many fat characters like Mm -hmm. she's messy yeah she's like making egregious mistakes i would say in like facets of her life but because she's not a paradigm of every other fat person or like trying to be this perfect representation she's a character Mm -hmm. she's like a Mm -hmm. fleshed out character I love that so same. much. Same, same, mm-hmm. same. Okay, so who were your favorite characters? Oh, Fran. Same. Yes, yes. I loved Fran, and um, somebody told me that I was like them, which is, like, very high praise <sighs> praise because she's her best friend, Annie's best friend, and I, is so sassy. I honestly agree. I think you have oh. Fran, like, free features and qualities. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, kind of similar. I loved Fran, of course. Mm-hmm. And then I liked Vic, yeah. who was played by Melanie Field, like the person who organizes the fat pool party yep. and has like this like great short haircut. And not to like piggyback off your piggyback experience. It. Piggyback. But someone told me that they reminded me of me or like Vic reminded them of me or I reminded yes. them of Vic. Oh, man that was that's great talk about a compliment <laughs> don't they get together at the end though they sure do no wonder mm. probably taurus capricorn action too it's gotta be it yeah <laughs> um so like these are all the things we love about it yeah. but it's dirt and discourse yep we have to have a little discourse or a little, or a little dirt, dirt. <laughs> I, guess. <laughs> I guess so, okay, so yeah what can what could have what could shrill have done better mm-hmm um, I mean, I mentioned the clothes thing earlier. So there was this article that came out that was saying like, uh, Annie's clothes are the best, but you can't have them because they didn't have any. They had to create all the clothes for her. And they are very cute. And you mm-hmm. can tell that they're tailored mm-hmm. for A.D. Bryant. But mm-hmm. I think that was a pretty big miss. Also, the article then proceeded to link out to That's like clothes article. that weren't good yeah. and expensive. And it just... That's rough. Yeah. And you had a good take on I, it, too. Well, I agree with that so much. And I just, to be honest, that's one of the things that I found to be incredibly disappointing. Mm-hmm. Like, who are, the, and again, I do not know this costume designer as a person, um, but man, wouldn't it have been more powerful instead of creating garments to find, like, indie plus-size designers and take pieces that they already have mm-hmm. to kind of highlight them on this platform? I just think it was a really big missed opportunity and I think that it also, I mean, okay, in terms of plus size fashion, yeah, is there, do we have access to everything we want and need? No. But are there a lot of things there for us? Yes. And are there more and more? Certainly. Mm-hmm. And so to paint this picture like, 
wow, it's so bleak. We had to custom make these things. Mm -hmm. Like, y'all, it's not that bleak. And I think there could have been a healthy mix of, like, custom making some pieces and also sourcing others from um, plus-size retailers and or some of these plus-size indie designers. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I would say, like, maybe of all things, that's maybe one of my biggest kind of grievances Mm -hmm. with Stroll. And just knowing that we don't know the full story behind True, that, yeah, too. True, yeah. It's like that one article. It's the one article. But because that's so similar to what we've heard before, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. For sure. For sure. What else? Hmm. Well, I think something that you and I have been recognizing is just, like, the breadth of fat activism mm-hmm. and the depth and how there are more and more voices than ever before. Yeah. At least that I'm clued into anyways. And so what comes with that is just like opportunities for discourse and potential disagreement and conflict. Conflict. Yeah. And so there was um, something that happened based on Shrill. Yeah. Kind of some big conflict in the community, Mm -hmm. right? And we wanted to talk about it because actually one of the guests from last season, Virgie Tovar, um, you know, was able to speak out about something related to Shrill and how she felt like she was impacted by it. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to give space to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you're right, Soraya. It's like the more, I don't know, the more we have, the more room there is for for conflict. And so, I don't know, like, essentially, um, one of the scenes in Shrill, um, Virgie mentioned, mirrors something that she experienced and has talked about in, like, a TED Talk and in her book. Um, And it's something that lots of folks have experienced. Like, it related around this, like, fat pool party scene Mm -hmm. um, in an episode written by Samantha Irby. And I think as the discussion of this grew and grew and grew, we were hearing from lots of people that lots of folks have had a really transformative experiences related to fat pool parties, which, like, whoa, that's yeah. cool. And not even just fat pool parties. I was talking with a friend of mine who, um, like, was talking about experiences of going to a place where people just had, like, different abilities. Mm. And being in that vulnerable spot of, like, in a pool yeah. with water, but having just like complete acceptance or yeah. recognition that everybody is like just living their lives yeah. is so transformative. And so, yes, people have had that. I feel like it's been in isolation more than not. Mm. And so it's hard to really grasp like, is that one person's story or is that a shared experience that a lot of people are having or will have? Yeah. And I know it's messy, but it almost feels like, isn't this wild to think like all of us are having these like transformational moments in what we may have thought was isolation mm-hmm. and now we see it on the screen and whether or not we see ourselves in the character that's there, like knowing that that experience mirrors something, we it's like I feel like we're sharing more than we knew, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. We're creating possibility for it. So, like, yeah. fortunately, like, you and I have had that experience, but not everybody has. Oh, my gosh. You're right. And, like, what does that mean to see that screen in your own home or on your, like, mobile device and what possibility does that open up for Mm -hmm. you to potentially um you know attend an event like that i imagine there's gonna be so many more than there were before yeah yeah. you had a fat pool party last year we'll do it again i think it'll be bigger because of this they've been happening for not forever but like 15 years 20 years years. i mean like Mm -hmm. we are not the first people to get in a pool together as fat people and make it a fat pool party right Mm -hmm. like this has been going on for a very long time fat Mm -hmm. activism has been here for a very long time and i think this is maybe part of the conversation too like as more and more people become kind of awoken and aware of fat liberation and are kind of working toward Mm -hmm. embracing that in our lives like we have to acknowledge that like there are lots of folks who've came before us yeah and this actually is like a callback to fat dish when we 
mentioned that at the Fat Salon, mm-hmm. they're talking about some some of the one of the topics includes the Fat Liberation Manifesto. Mm-hmm. Like this stuff has been around for years since the seventies. People have been talking about this, and there's lots of folks who have been experiencing these things and creating these spaces and having these conversations long before either of us. Yeah, and long before lots of people in our world. You know, mm-hmm. so like to honor that kind of and honor where it stems from, like disability justice. Yeah, and other fe- like facets of that too, and so. It it feels like this is the time where there's more voices than ever before. I imagine there's been lots of voices, but maybe this yeah. is where they can be heard mm-hmm. on a bigger scale. Yeah. Um, and it's generating really fruitful conversations about, like, compensation for people of color or, like, queer folks and their experiences and putting that out there. And so, yeah, um, I th- I think I'm just excited to have more conversations yeah. around this and have more representation overall. Yeah, and I, I agree. Um, and also just want to want to kind of acknowledge, like, oh, some of this stuff is messy and icky. It's been messy. It's, it's yes. been icky. But now it's, like, internal as opposed to external. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. terms of, like, the in-group, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I think that's honestly like enough of the dirt on that Does topic. Have too much dirt, too no, much I, discourse. No, I think it, I just think just like enough, there, yeah. there could be a lot more to dive into. But for now, I think that feels like a good amount of dirt. Oh, except for we can have one more thing we think the show should do better or could do better. Well, I think maybe we disagree because it's a useful device. But this relationship with that man in Shrill. Why'd that have to go on for six whole episodes? That's my question. Give us give us a, a, a picture of what you're talking about. <laughs> Tell talking, us about Ryan. Um, okay, so uh, this man, um, kind of like friends with benefits turned boyfriend-ish, yeah. kind of through the progression of the episodes. This man has a podcast called Talking Traz all about Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Is it a prison of the mind? <laughs> or is it an island off the coast of San Francisco? We like get it. Like it's useful as a useful plot point. Like it's useful within the series. Um but man, like I did not expect that reading the book when like a relationship like that's kind of mentioned and then um yeah, I just didn't think it lasted that long. It makes me think a little bit of um, Ijeoma Aluo's tweet about kind of commenting actually on some of the discourse and being like, well, if anybody like deserves credit for something, it's me. Because like I've been hooking up with these like gross bearded Mediocre white guys white for, the, for the longest time. So, <laughs> uh, And they just, oh my gosh, he just, it's just so messy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he makes uh, Annie go out the back all the time. Yeah. He, That's like how the relationship starts. Like I I'm sorry if this is a spoiler for anybody, but like he has a child that he doesn't tell her about. <laughs> He's just like a mess. His mom comes over and takes care of him all the time. It's and bad. like we recognize that like this is building up to more, that mm-hmm. this is something that mm-hmm. Annie's going through to recognize like boundaries and like her own esteem and what she needs in a relationship. And, and to like, like end that. up with the person she's supposed to end up with. Sure. But Man, it just, I felt like it went on for longer than it needed to. Talking Traz. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> okay. So, and it's not even dirt, but we're just excited for season two. We really, really are. Oh, gosh. What a great first episode for season two. Oh, what a fun first episode. Dang, it is so good to be back. Yes. So, 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 so good, 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 good. <laughs> Sorry, that's a Destiny's Child reference. But thank you so much for tuning in. Please, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. And catch us in two weeks for another episode of Matter Matter of Fact. Fact.